0: Explode your to-be-read pile with the New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com newreleases new releases. That's bookriot.com newreleases new releases. Happy browsing! <laughs>
1: Welcome to First Edition. In this episode, it's time for the May It Book Knockout Round. Rebecca Shinsky joins me to try to decide what the It Book of May 2023 will be. After that, debuting a new segment with Erica Ezefetti from BookRite, an editor here, called Reading Stories. And it's just a little story from someone's real life and how it connects to books and reading. Hope you'll stick around for that. All right, let's do it.
0: Explode your to-be-read pile with the New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com newreleases. That's bookriot.com slash newreleases. Happy browsing!
1: All right, Rebecca Shinsky is back for May knockout. We're going to find the It Book of May again, Rebecca, because we failed last. Well, I don't know if we failed <laughs> last month. Maybe we should do a triage. We're going to. This is a work in progress. Um, but the the mm-hmm. game here is we try to find out between ourselves, not for the truth, just come to some agreement about what we think the our best guess of what the It Book of the month will be. Some combination of sales quality zeitgeist kind of throw it all into the mix and see if it comes out to to pass our um, uh, pass our test so last month we picked a living remedy by nicole chung which i stand by our pick but i'm not sure Mm -hmm. that the world that's the world we ended up living in and i think it's because the book's a little too sad i mean to put it in a very simple word is that it
2: I think that's right. I stand by the process as well. And the process is a product of having not read the books we're talking about. So we have the same information that a consumer walking into a bookstore or opening up you know, an online Mm -hmm. retail site and deciding what to read has when they're picking those books up. And I like that process. I think that's the way to go about doing this. But then I read the Nicole Chung. You read the Nicole Chung. It is wonderful, but it is heavy it's a heavy read it's sad and I think in a way that makes it difficult to talk about it's not super book clubby um and and hard to recommend it's hard to you know foist that experience on someone else Uh, so we just we didn't know because we had not read and that's what reading gets you you get you get to find out you get to have the answers
1: And I don't know what I would have picked. So the wager, which I think made it to the final round. um, The reviews have been very good. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it a great deal. I had not read it at the time. I have since. It's still very good. It debuted number one hardback nonfiction this week. I guess I would be surprised if it didn't. Um, So that could have been, maybe if we just had the same 10, knowing now, I think I maybe would have bumped up the grand. Two books that didn't make my finalist list, and it's just me, you know, and maybe I can talk about this for a minute, but the two I think I would have put back on there Um, I would put Monsters by Claire Detterer. Boy, there's a lot of D's and Mm -hmm. E's in that one, which is her critical examination of, let's call them problematic faves, to use the internet parlance, but came out of her Paris Review essay called What Do We Do with the Art of Monstrous Men? Basically, art that you like, art that is quote-unquote good, made by people who maybe aren't, and what do you do with that? And that's been a conversation... I think it's been around for a long time, but really in the wake of Me Too or concomitant with the waves of Me Too, a real, a, a real reconsideration of this process. I have not read this. I am going to read this. I think on the critical, intellectual, sort of juicy conversation, it's the clear winner. People are talking about this book, though I will say when it pals on Tuesday on new release days, it came out on the 25th. I couldn't find it in the front of the store. So so yeah, I don't I know how much shine in. it's getting but um that's interesting. I think
2: that's an important thing to pull out that like the critical conversation about books right now really happens online and in specific corners of yep. the internet and if it's if that is the place a book is getting hyped but it's also not like gonna turn up on the today show or in an entertainment weekly blurb I think that's a real barrier to it actually being the it book not that mm. A book couldn't get enough juice in that way that it could overcome having yeah. the other things. But I think that would have been my hesitation about that one. Cause like if it's if it's Twitter having the conversation about that book and that's where it's happening. Because when you mentioned to me recently, this is the book I'm seeing all over the place. I have not been seeing it come up all over the place. And I think the important distinction is that you have been back on book Twitter and I have not.
1: Yeah, it's Um, partly that, but also it got a really good review in the Times, really thoughtful reviews. Um, I think there's a lot there. I think it is also... Maybe more new. I don't know what I was expecting from it. I was, I was worried <laughs> about this. So I think there's something here. Maybe it'll come on true. Look, critical yeah. appraisal. When's the last time the cri- a critical appraisal of anything was the whatever, like this is not your magical <laughs> thinking by Joan Didion, which it's right. th- just not yeah, that it's not going to be that.
2: There's a limited audience for just about anything that's going to be a critical darling.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, so, um, but that's like the, uh, to use the, the what's the New York magazine, like um, the culture grid of like highbrow and popular. This is on the highbrow side, but it's not going to be all that popular. Another book that I would put on there, um, I just didn't think of Jeanette Walls. Hang the Moon has sold very well. Mm-hmm. I really like Jeanette Walls. I especially, you know, the the Glass Castle is, I'd say a modern a classic. It wasn't on my radar it's kind. it just wasn't, and it sold extremely well. So these are kind of two twins. I don't know that anyone's really engaging too much with the Jeanette Walls on an intellectual, artistic level, but people are buying it and liking it and passing it around. And then Monsters is the other side. There's some people really engaging mm-hmm. with it, getting people's wheels turning, but I have no idea if this is going to be anywhere in terms of selling books and yeah. talk to me in, in two months or at the end of the year, if this is still being talked about and show up on some lists and, you know, kind of do some of the ideas get pulled out and be brought into our lexicon? I think it's possible, but I think it goes to show that April, there wasn't a clear winner that would make this Mm -hmm. fun. I think in May, we have a different situation, but we're going to get to that in just a second. I'm going to do our first break and then we're going to come back. As I did last week, I, um, on my own recognizance, came up a list of 10 finalists and Mm -hmm. then assigned them each a number, and then used a random number generator to give me an order. Great. That's what happened here, and we're going to walk through them. So up first, um, Tom Hanks has a novel coming out, and it's called The Making of Another Motion Picture Masterpiece that comes out May 30th, just getting into May. And this is Tom Hanks who... Likes to write. He had a book of short stories that was pretty well regarded. I thought it was okay. I mean, you know, if, it, if, is mm-hmm. it, if it's not Tom Hanks, does it get published? Maybe. I don't know. Um, it's the
2: typewriter, that one.
1: Likes, likes, does like a typewriter. This sounds a lot of fun. It's about making movies, and it sounds like it's okay. supposed to be fun. Now, Rebecca, what do you think of the case of this as being a candidate, let alone the winner of our... It book knockout uh, gimmick.
2: I don't think that Tom Hanks has much of a chance of surviving the next round, much less the next. Yeah, the night. problem
1: is, you know what's coming. That so, <laughs> I mean, he's up first, so he makes it through round one. Uh, Tom Hanks in a battle <laughs> against Tom Hanks makes it through the it's, round.
2: Yeah, Tom Hanks. I mean, if anybody is positioned to write about the movie making industry, it's Tom Hanks. He's a smart and interesting guy. Mm-hmm not an edge to be found, especially on late stage Tom Hanks. And I think you need a little edge or grit or like something that people can grab onto to have some conversation about. And it's hard for me to imagine Tom Hanks rolling out with that, like a very safe, a Tom Hanks choice and safe doesn't make so much for an it book.
1: Yeah. The, now again, blurbs, we've talked about them. I don't know what to do with them, except here we go. Um, Wild, ambitious, and exceptionally enjoyable. Wild and ambitious. So it's it okay. takes place over many decades. It's like this 1940s comic book that gets discovered and then made into a movie over the course of, gosh, it looks like 30 years. I don't want to spoil it even for myself. But there's like a difficult male star. There's an eccentric writer-director. I think – so Tom Hanks, he has the receipts to – do some telling if he wants to, and is there it's a true. version of this where there's a little bit of a fang here? I think that could be kind of amazing because a, no one's going to come for Tom Hanks. He can, you know, no one's going to be like, well, well, that's not necessarily true. But in terms of like telling the truth, right, and saying this is how it works, and here's some anti patterns, and here's some of the villains, or at least the demimon that goes around making movies, he has to know about it. But he's pr- he seems too avuncular. To really go there on the yeah, whole. Yeah, he doesn't
2: trade on fangs. Like, and no. he doesn't need to. He, but he has the power, you're right, that if he wanted to, he could certainly mm-hmm. tell those truths and he would survive it. His career would survive it. He would be just fine. I just don't think he's interested in doing that.
1: Yeah. If there's so we'll see, if there's any, if there's any sharpness to it at all, it will really bode well for it. Now, if it's fun and people read it and his name gets people to pick it up and it's a good read that's great. I would look forward to that, but um, it's not going to hit all of our quadrants. Okay. Moving on. Um, This is coming out Tuesday. I typically don't, hmm, I'm trying to wrestle with, well, this is not debut fiction because um, Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Mm. Ajay Brenya. So this is, this was an anticipated book and it was on lists, when i saw what was coming out this year because we're into may where we knew what some of these books were in the fall right mm-hmm. the fall books come out later this year we you know we're just now starting to find out about so here's the blurb loretta thurwar and hamara hurricane stack stacker are the stars of chain gang all-stars a cornerstone of criminal action pa- penal entertainment a highly popular, highly controversial profit-raising program in America's increasingly dominant private prison industry. So, Hunger Games, but in the American prison industry—that is an unbelievable pitch. That got a really good review in the New York Times just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Is this is this actiony enough, and then also you know critical enough or political enough? Could it could it thread the needle of? Hunger Games with actually being about something that's not just maybe hypothetical dystopian one day. Again, it's not YA. I shouldn't say that, but it's taking this near future, alternate, alternate history, alternate future, and then giving it some action and then also, you know, burning it all down at the same time. So the name is Chain Gang All Stars, and that comes out just this week. Rebecca, is this on your radar at wow. all? Do you have any sense of this? It
2: is. All? It's been on my radar. Since the fall, I think when it first, when yep. folks were first starting to talk about big 2023 releases, and it is a hell of a pitch. Also hard to imagine a sharper contrast between a book and a Tom Hanks It's title all teeth. Than, than these. Yeah, this one is all teeth. I think this has an edge over the Tom Hanks. So I'm going to knock out Tom Hanks and keep Chain Gang all stars. I'm not concerned about it being political enough. I'm concerned about it being too political because half the country is not open to the kind of critique that it sounds like this book wants to issue or is issuing about the Mm -hmm. penal system and the Hunger Games nature of it. Like it's not a stretch to imagine the Hunger Games in the American prison system because that seems like it's pretty much what it is in there. Um, And certainly folks profit off of that. But that's that argument is not one that a good chunk of the reading public is interested in. And that's a thing that is difficult for me to remember that I have to like frequently remind myself of in our happy little, you know, progressive literary bubble. Um, I think it could catch on. Like this has the sound of a Like a pitch for a book that is catchy if it's done well and those reviews certainly seem like it is done well can gain enough traction inside the bubble of readers who are open to Mm -hmm. this take uh, that it that it could go somewhere it also seems like really ripe for an adaptation um feels a little adjacent to like a bitch planet vibe i think
1: great call um
2: yeah yeah knocking out tom hanks
1: Yeah, I don't think it's close. Um, Particularly here, you could see this going a number of different ways. If this is your first time joining us, because there's only one that's happened before, there's also a task acknowledgement in this exercise that we do that we may not know for a long time what the actual it was, or even if there was one, you know, or if you have to pick one, what it is. I don't know if we can pull a 2012 Pulitzer Prize and say no award. I don't think I like to play that game. But... Um, we may not know for a while. And that's kind of what makes books unusual. Is something can come mm-hmm. on stronger later, something can get picked up as an award winner, get picked later by Oprah, or make Baroque's list, or you know, a TikTok influencer could get the ball rolling over there. A lot of different different things can happen, but this seems like it has it has a lot of attack surface area um yeah. that to get it, latched onto down the road.
2: It has components that make me Feel like I won't be surprised to see it on end of year best of lists yep. or award nomination lists. Any of the big celebrity favorites, I think that's certainly possible. And yeah, we we won't know for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> what this month looks like. What any of the months look like. Just the nature of books being that way. Some many months there aren't, and yep. there isn't a book in many months. And sometimes you get like two in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just even. Constructing it this way is, you know, it, this is yeah. a constructed exercise right. that we're doing. But um, yeah, I think this one has the edge.
1: Up next, um, also coming out next week, clocking in at a robust 736 pages, <laughs> The Covenant of Water by one Abraham Verghese. Um We like Cutting for Stone that came out, what, 10,000 years ago? I think that was a publication date? <laughs> About uh, a
2: decade, th- th- yes.
1: Um And this seems to be in the same vein. It centers on multiple generations of a family on South India's Malabar coast. And each generation of family, they have a particular thing that travels through the family, is that someone in each generation drowns. And there's Mm -hmm. water everywhere. And that's all I know. It's it's a big, multi-generation, expansive epic of family and community, it sounds like. Um, he is also a doctor. So I think there's some medicine happening as certainly cutting for stone. That was, I think the real revelation there of the depictions of medicine and caregiving, um, in the communities that that was set. You have a little more of an advantage in a sense of this than I do because you spent some time with this. I don't know if you've finished it yet. So I'm going to cede the floor here about the case for and against the covenant of water.
2: Okay. I am about halfway through this. It is all of the things that it, Claims to be it's a big big novel about medicine and about art. Like you don't even have to do your standard question. Are we sure this novel isn't just about art? Yeah, (laughs) it
1: is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is overtly about art of many kinds. Seven hundred and thirty six pages is a big pitch for a reader. That's a big lift. Big lift, especially for a name that like is not terribly recognizable now because it has been 10 years since the last book even though the last book was very well regarded. I'm seeing coverage of this pick up. Mm-hmm. It is a much more traditional kind of novel than Old School All Stars. Yeah. Yep. Old school I think I I was talking in the booker i podcast about it being just a big old fashioned novel and that is exactly what it feels like to me. I don't think we're gonna see a bunch of people reading this around the pool this summer, but I do think it has that, that same like end of year potential, best mm-hmm. books of the year potential. There is less in it that is potentially offensive or just that folks aren't gonna be open to where Chain Gang All-Stars, you know, we were just talking about. Yeah. That's got an overtly political argument to it that a lot of folks just won't even consider. I think Verghese has an edge here, but I'm not. It's not a strong edge. I don't like the order in which these books are coming out right now.
1: <laughs> so how about this? What if what if Covenant of Water was 389 pages? Would you? Oh, feel yeah. Different? Then
2: I would give it to Covenant okay. of Water. Yes. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. Well, you got to pick Chain Gang or Covenant. Who survives to take it? I'm
2: off. gonna go with Covenant of Water. We're gonna okay. pass for on. We're
1: gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna run to the middle. Okay. Not that's not the worst mm-hmm. move. Yeah, we're at running this to
2: point. the middle. It's a it's a pretty safe move for what's gonna have a bigger, more yeah. welcome reception.
1: The next next up is is it my only non well see it. it might be the only nonfiction um on the list. Nonfiction very unusually. That's one of the reasons I didn't pick Monsters. It's unusual for it to be um mm-hmm. the breakout book. And I don't think this one will be either but I think this is an important book. And I think in certain circles it will be the book of possibly the year. This is Traffic okay. by Ben Smith. Uh, ben Smith who you know <laughs> Uh, worked in the trenches of Silicon Valley doing clicks, Um, and he was there. Mm -hmm. And this is the story of, it turns out, really the 2010s of Gawker and Jonah Peretti and BuzzFeed. And, you know, we are a little tangentially a part of this story, not because we're going to appear in this book or anything, We're, we're too small of a minnow, but we were swimming in the same ocean, at least, at least, at least, paddling in the shore of the the waves of traffic. And there's a wave metaphor on the cover design, so that's why I'm going marine. I'm going to eat this with the spoon. I'm going to put on a bib. Oh, yeah. Um. And <laughs> I am really looking forward to this. And I think where we are, you know, what's still coming on the list. So I don't know it's going to survive this. But I think it has a chance to beat out Covenant of Water, don't you? Where we are in the list right now, any chance at all, I do. or is it I think, just me?
2: I think it has a chance. It depends on how juicy the goods are. No. Like Ben Smith was up close and personal with like the early viral internet, and what that, how we figured out how to make things go viral, and I think has now had some time to reflect upon what it does to a society when what you're trying to do is just make the thing that will spread the fastest, not necessarily the thing that is the most Mm -hmm. well thought out or edifying or of the highest quality. And this is really about a rivalry between Gawker and Nick Denton at Gawker and Jonah Peretti at HuffPo and BuzzFeed. And there's a lot of meat on that bone. (laughs) It could... It could be really, really juicy uh, in a way that could make headlines. You could get like really interesting excerpts. I think I'm a little surprised that bits of it haven't started leaking out. I've wondered about this.
1: I've wondered about this myself.
2: Uh huh. Yeah, I do think that it could edge out Covenant of Water because it could be really juicy and page turning in a way that, like, folks who are interested in the internet might pick it up, even if they're not typical nonfiction readers. It might be easier to get somebody to read this than to pick up a 736 page novel, even though it is a gorgeous, wonderful novel that I think I'll be recommending for a while. Um, I continue, we've reached the moment where I hate this game (laughs) and the choices that it forces me to make. (laughs) Uh, um, Oh boy. I think I'm going with traffic.
1: Okay. I I don't know that
2: it's going to last much longer.
1: We may be biased because we're personally and professionally interested in this, but that's okay. We're just two people,
2: yeah, um,
1: and, right. and that's and fine. We're,
2: we're going to be wrong most of the time. I'm comfortable with that.
1: Also, there's um, limited Apple TV Plus. Here. I don't know if this was an option, but we've got a bunch of these internet digital tech, uh, you know, <laughs> docu drama mm-hmm. exposes mess factories. The difference here, and I guess the ur the er text for this is The Social Network, which is a wonderful movie and an important yes. story in its own right. The Bad Bloods of the Worlds, the Dropouts, the works those were just, they didn't turn into anything. They fizzled out before they entered the world. The Social Network and Traffic, they have changed the these people and these processes and these platforms. Oh, nice alliteration, Jeff. Look at you go. <laughs> have formed the world in which we live. and mostly for the poor i should say so there is there I is agree. a there's a toothiness there that i think some of these other adaptations outside of the social network, mm-hmm. really do if they did it right this is manoe mano Denton versus peretti and with ben smith in the mm-hmm. middle you could What what a what a juicy casting coup this would be for for some people.
2: I know. I do think it would be wonderful. And like I watched that whole trio of the dropout, the we crashed and super pumped, the one about Uber last summer. And those are mostly about like corporate shenanigans and chicanery and lying and fraud to some extent (laughs) like uh greater and lesser extents depending on which one uber was certainly the most successful at at their attempts but i do think the social network is the right comp for this because Mm -hmm. it's about something that was successfully done and we seem to culturally have hit some kind of tipping point where we're collectively taking a moment to be like do we like what the internet has done to us that's right that's right. And do we want to continue investing and participating in it? And this is a moment for a kind of cultural autopsy. And I think that's what Smith is trying to do here, or mm-hmm. at least peel back some layers of, you know, here's the man behind the curtain or the two men behind the curtain, as it were. It could be really, really good. Yeah, That like the, the upside, the ceiling is higher, I think, on traffic than on Covenant of Water for where it could go. So I'm going to stick with, yeah, we're going to stick with Ben Smith pass him through to the next round.
1: We're going to get I don't know I don't I'm not even saying that traffic could be it, but we're going to get one of these books that becomes one of the great that's going to enter the pantheon of muckraking, right? How the other half lives, yeah. The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, Unsafe at Any Speed by Ralph Nader, uh Silence Spring by Rachel Carson. Mm-hmm. You know, what one, one of these books is going to is going to do the I'm... internet dirty and right? Like or these parts <laughs> of it? And I don't know that this is, I think Ben Smith is probably a little too close to it, to be honest. I don't know. I don't even know who would do it at this point. Yeah. but like I would expect years, there to be one of these. And I, and this is interesting. I want
2: to read Kevin Roos's book about the TikTok algorithm, like in another decade.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. What I'm ready for. Yeah. We'll see. Um, okay. We're going to have to move on. So okay. traffic is the winner here. Um, next up on my list, let me find my tab. I do like a a return to form story. I do like a, okay. hey, this one sounds good. The reviews are good, even though the last time we encountered this person, maybe it didn't go great. Hmm. Justin Cronin has a new book coming out May 2nd uh-huh. called The Ferryman. The reviews have been excellent. It's 560 yeah. pages. It's a riveting standalone novel. I I just levitated a little. I couldn't be happier to hear <laughs> Don't those to three words. Trilogy. O- O'Neill's razor is putting, getting put back in the shaving kit. That's not the, that's not the razor. But you hear what I'm saying? A group of survivors, uh, survivors on a hidden island utopia, and the truth is, uh, and guess what? It's not all it appears to be. Weirdly, what if a, what if Justin Cronin wrote um, a book about a hidden island utopia, and everything was fine? For 560 pages.
2: <laughs> That's the big surprise. Everything is fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this is The Ferryman by Justin Cronin. Rebecca, am I in nuts to have this on this list? Does it no, make sense to have here? Are you are. excited? Are you feeling good about this?
2: I'm excited. I think I'm going to read it. I don't know that I'm going to read it like next week on the heels of Abraham Verghese's 736 pages, <laughs> but, but I'm going to read it. This has the feeling of a popcorny summer book. You know, big sci-fi spec fic moment um random house didn't have to bring justin cronin they did not this is a valentine title
1: you're absolutely right
2: the critical establishment did not have to bring justin cronin back there you know i don't think there would be much to be gained from like publishing another justin cronin book that isn't very good in the way that the final book of the passage was widely agreed upon as not very good um so i'm excited about this and i very glad that it is standalone the passage i think would have been tighter as a standalone and that's kind of where the wheels or a duology Um, it felt like two there was enough for
1: two that third one was a problem kind of like the diversion this is yeah
2: this is the kind of book you should publish in mid-may when people Mm -hmm. are getting ready to go on summer trips and they're going to sit around a pool or be on a long flight and want to be entertained if it goes well it will go better than traffic so this beats out
1: ben's yeah okay um and we'll see i hope it's great because cronin had a lot of promise um gosh the passage came out 2010 can you Oh my god! Um, unbelievable that's, that's bonkers and with this book if this is really good and it sells well he's got his and again no one's going to be the next stephen king because there's only one but that's the kind of shaped career he's looking at like these big mm-hmm. hunky elevated genre spec fic slash horror slash genre stuff there's an appetite and, for these all the time and if they're good people think- will read them
2: I think The Passage might have suffered from having come out before we hit peak streaming. I'm sure that that Um, book has been optioned, but nothing has happened yet. And this also sounds ripe for a big adaptation, maybe like an Amazon, Apple situation.
1: Okay. So um, that leaves us with the ferryman as the survivor through this Mm -hmm. round. That brings us to... hmm, Let's see. I try not to pick debut novels. And this is a new thing. And maybe I won't in the future. I've got one I included here. I'm very interested to see it. Sometimes you want to get on the ground floor, Rebecca. And this is not going to make mm-hmm. it to the end of this round. I have no I have no <laughs> pretensions. I okay. have no case to be made, but sometimes you want to include one. Um this is Homebodies by Tem Tembe Denton Hearst. Mm-hmm black writer whose world is turned upside down when she loses her job in media and her searing manifesto about racism and industry goes viral. I am here for these kinds of stories, especially in the world we live in. Um, Tembe Denton Hurst is a staff writer at New York magazines, The Strategist. I've read some of her pieces. Mm -hmm. She's very good. She knows this world of media. I can imagine her having a lot to say. That said, it's a debut novel. This is midlist of all midlist. 320 pages. My, my case would be made here that this gets picked up as a dishy, with teeth, you know, I think a more successful version than the other black girl. I'm glad to see there's mm-hmm. more of these because there's a lot here. This is Home Bodies by Tim B. Denton Hurst. Was this on your radar and all? And in, in either way, yes, what do you think of my radar. case for Home Bodies by Tim I'm B. I'm
2: glad that you picked it because it's an honor to be nominated. Yes. Um, It feels. Like we're getting a crop of these Yellow Face by Rf Kwong, which is out, I think in June, um, is a similar kind yep. of story. I'm I'm gonna read the crap out of this. I'm mm-hmm. deeply here for it. I also think it has the flavor of a Reese pick um and if it gets that i think it will, that's the
1: right angle to if you're gonna if you're gonna yeah, buy some stock that's the angle right that's it's gonna be acquired go by a larger places. that's the m&a of uh the book picking world Is it get acquired <laughs> by oprah or reese or something like that
2: yeah if reese picks it it'll go some places and i think there's a really solid shot for that but any debut novel no nope is a long shot in a game like this. So Justin Cronin wins. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, we got to talk about it for a minute and that's fine. Uh, Let's see. Now we're getting into it. Um, Luckily, the random.org generator kind of spit out a couple of the favorites towards the end. Okay. Next up, the late Americans by Brandon Taylor, May 23rd coming out from Riverhead, which sidebar, if you had to pick (laughs) one imprint and all you could read was that imprint, Is it Riverhead?
2: It's Riverhead.
1: It probably is. It's
2: Knopf, Riverhead. If We're I get the, all like, of
1: Knopf's Day, maybe it's just a volume play. I don't get as much nonfiction yeah. from Riverhead, but you got to pick something. It's oh. at least in the conversation. It's at least in the conversation. Right.
2: Because with Riverhead, you get Lauren Groff. Oh, I see. You get...
1: You're looking at the stable Gal- of uh, Playtone's Galaxy of Stars here. I see what you're doing. Okay. Right. Yeah. But
2: now I'm doing the math of like... But then with Random House, you get Colson Whitehead. And with the Penguin Press, you get Zadie Smith. So like, this is impossible math it's
1: impossible. to do. But it,
2: it, Riverhead is in contention for if I had to pick, if I just had yeah. to live my literary life on one imprint, you, you'd have a pretty high satisfaction rate just with mm-hmm. Riverhead. I think that's basically indisputable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: listen, I love Brandon Taylor. I just don't know that it's going to be big. Like literary is hard Mm -hmm. to have. Go wide. A literary novel. We just had a series of calls with folks throughout publishing this week talking about like where the industry is, how things are going and selling literary fiction is a continuing challenge because it it asks you to do work. And Mm. so many of us want to do that kind of work, but most of us don't. That's not what most readers are going in for. I would love to be terribly wrong about this and have Brandon Taylor and Tembi didn't lock be the winners of May. Yeah. I would love actually like nothing more than for that to happen, but I think Justin Cronin is still the one here.
1: I think I probably would disagree with that only because there's there's just a lot of genre about utopias and pockets, and I don't know that people remember Justin Cronin. I think we might be the outliers in remembering. I think it actually has a bigger lift than we might think. It'll probably sell more, I, I'm, but in terms of I think Taylor's going to sell. And I don't know if this book is good. I haven't seen a lot of raves so far. I've seen some good reviews. Now, Taylor doesn't mind a mess. This is not going to be easy. Um, This is a group of young people that are artists. They provoke one another in a volatile year of self-discovery. That's going to be messy stuff, Um, which I think he's really in tune with. The issues are going to be fascinating. I'm looking forward to this. I think, I don't know that I'm going to eat this with a spoon, like with traffic, but I'm definitely going to get out a picnic blanket and, you know, I'm going to have some cheese and crackers um, and I'm going to eat up the late Americans by Brandon Taylor's a brisk Three Twenty. that's coming Mm -hmm. out. May 23rd has he yet moved into the next rung of, I I think once you're shortlisted for the Booker prize, you can go a lot of different ways. There's a lot of people shortlisted for the Booker prize. Has he turned into a brand uh, name, I guess? Is he a brand no. name at this point? But could this be the one that flips the script? Maybe. We'll Maybe. see. Maybe. I have high ho- I have higher hopes for it. Um, since mm-hmm. since I asked you to come this blind, it is your call and you're going to keep the ferryman <laughs> by Justin I'm keeping the ferryman. going in to the next round. I
0: hope I'm wrong.
1: Okay. Um, next up, I did have another um, I did have another nonfiction. And sometimes there is a dishy nonfiction that can break out. And okay. I I the only my only reservation of this one, it feels like it might be a little late because um this is Hey Hun. It's by Emily Lynn Paulson. The semi, the semicolon title, I mean after the semicolon, sales, sisterhood supremacy, and the other lies behind multi-level marketing. And I just feel oh. like maybe the MLM exposure. Did that train already drive by the station? I feel like I heard more about oh, that for a while, we, but I don't know that we've gotten a g- big, gold, good, juicy book about how this stuff works and what goes on.
2: Yeah. We haven't had a big, juicy book about it. We did have, a, I think there was an Amazon documentary in the yeah. fall of 2021. That that was specifically about the, um, what was it? The leggings, LuLaRoe.
1: Okay. Um,
2: if this is big and juicy, it will be really delicious i hadn't heard of this book this one is news this one's a little
1: for you i have to say this is from row house publishing comes out may 30th and it's a first person account a person account apparently she got mixed up in an mlm and it did not go great as you might expect i think the words (laughs) i'm going to look at here that jump out to me cultural epidemic Mm. cult-like ideologies um, and then the description of her account acerbic biting and new perspective this is yeah. I'm looking for the audio know. of this. I'm looking for the audio of this.
2: One. I want to know what the new perspective is because mm-hmm. that's I think that's my hesitation about this, That's what, I'm saying. what do we yeah. not yet know about these? And like I'm a person who will watch and read every cult documentary oh. you've got. Like, give me all of your nexiums. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. But there's like the MLMs are, you know, not a Nexium sex cult, first off. So it's just like they're less yeah. juicy. Um and how they work is how they work. Like the, you know, the particulars, the specifics of what the manipulation looked like or what they were promised vary from one to the other, but not by much. It's, it, it it's all built on invest a lot of your money in this promise that then you will gain a whole lot yeah. of money back and they have to get you to buy into other ideas that support that myth in order to keep going. But it's a pretty standard package I don't know that there's anybody who has ears to hear this who hasn't already heard it, like gotten it. about Well, that's NLRs.
1: why. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of saying. As an expose, the expose angle, I think, is played out. Right. Now, is yeah. this if there's a lot of anecdotes, if this is a, um, you know, a r- roman, a clef of greed and failure, that's just page turnery mm-hmm. and f- interesting to read. Then maybe that's yeah. the addition, like the rompiness, maybe. Like the, the inverted romp, like whatever the opposite. Is.
2: <laughs> inverted um, romp. Um, I think I'm going to stick with the ferryman. I don't but see I how still you can't. Yeah, hate this game.
1: <laughs> yeah, this late in the game for Hey Hun, it it would have stuck around longer. I think if it came a little bit earlier, because it's an interesting case, and I don't know if it's going to be. Good, or you know, or what exactly it's Mm going to be, but it really caught my eyes. Like, I don't, it's like, I don't think there's been one of these, but there's appetite to read about this still. People are, it feels like they've fallen up off the cliff a little bit. Maybe this was related to the go go days of low interest rates and easy money and sitting around at Mm -hmm. home doing COVID stuff. So I just wonder if it's a little long in the tooth, Um, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. We're down to our ninth number nine. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Got the publication date incorrect, which makes it for fun oh. that you now see that yellow face by R.F. Kwong comes on sale May 16th. This is um, I don't know what to call Rebecca Kwong R.F. The, the title is R.F., but then in the bio it says Rebecca. I'm going to say Rebecca Rebecca Kwong now because that's confusing. Because you're Rebecca too. That makes it easier. That's good <laughs> podcasting is to confuse everyone about who I'm talking about. The author of Babel which was a huge hit, continues to be a hit, a phenomenon in its own right, the very successful um, Poppy War and um, that series of books, turning her gaze towards not just literary fiction, but the publishing industry in which she swims. Uh, The hook here is very kind of um, short story writing class. which Get a good hook. So there's two friends. They're both Mm -hmm. writers. One's doing a little bit better than the other one. And then one of them dies and has an unfinished manuscript that the other one finds. One of them is Asian American. One of them isn't. You might guess what's going on here. Mm
3: -hmm. And this
1: sounds like the lattice work to tell a story about, I don't know, what what are we going to say? About co-opting, about identity, about capitalism, about representation, about stories, media, storytelling, and language. I'm a little braced for this myself um, (laughs) about what this is going to be. Not for nothing. I I know there's a mention of book riot in it. I think it's just in glancing. So that's how close to we are to both this story um, as covering stuff like this. We've done on the book riot podcast for a long time. Mm -hmm. There are some very direct, not quite like I stole the manuscript, but, you know, there was the best American poetry scandal a few years ago in which a white writer took on a I don't even think ambiguously Asian sounding name, just an Asian sounding name. Sherman Alexi picked it for that. And then Sherman on top of that, there's the Sherman and Alexi stuff that, which came after <laughs> the fact. Oh, so this a is whole mess. This is really rolling around in a lot of the stuff that's been in the air in publishing around inclusion and what that means and what it hasn't been so far. I'm so ready. Um <laughs>
2: I No, yeah, I, I don't know like what else to say pig in mud in this book. Yes. I'm so deeply ready for this. I could not be more here for a book. And I think, you know, Kwong has such a track record now, especially coming off of Babel, Yep. trusted, really trusted by readers yes. and is developing this thing of like, maybe each book is going to be a whole different vibe than the book before it, which I love, love mm-hmm. to see a writer who can pull that off. I also think it's it's smart and a real public service to do some pulling back the curtain, revealing the like gross inner workings of an industry. Um, Because there is so much vocational awe around books and people who love books should know about the gross stuff that goes on in the industry as well. It's just Mm -hmm. important to talk about those things too. It is not just all like, roses and rainbows and putting art out into the world and those stories need to be told they need to be interrogated she's perfectly positioned to do it I have so much faith in her ability to pull it off it's really good that this was not the book that the random number generator gave you as number one. Cause then I was so worried. I was so like, worried no, about that. Yellowface beats everything. Like if this had come out number one, it would have been like, well, let's just shut it down now. We don't even need to talk about the rest of the title. To be, be
1: honest, I probably automatically... would have re-rolled. I would have re-rolled. I, I could, that's not <laughs> yeah. good. You know, you gotta, you, gotta, you
2: know. yeah. Number one with a bullet.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry um, for whatever
2: comes next.
1: <laughs> and I don't know. I'm not sure anymore how much this matters, but the, the actual packaging itself is super compelling. Like the name itself it's is provocative. Good. It has this mm-hmm. bright big bird. I think this is technically big bird yellow. If it's not, it should be. Um, with just a pair of you know, stereotypically Asian-coded eyes. You know, that's mm-hmm. you know, that's what it looks like. And it's just it's begging you. It's be- it's pushing all of the oh, buttons. Yeah. You know, it knows. Rebecca know, RF Kong knows you have. Boy, I'm really having trouble figuring out how to do this. <laughs> Let's and just that, go with RF. Uh, RF. That she knows that we have, and we know that we have, and they still can um, get pressed. And that's not that's not enough oh, to, yeah. to 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 uh to uh defend ourselves no, against it.
2: I want her to press them. Come on in. Yeah, press those buttons, please. And it's gonna stand out on the sh- mm, shelf mm. against the sea. Of midlist fiction with cartoony covers, which everything seems to be right now. Yep, this is really going
3: right.
2: to pop. There's so much to talk about here. I think this also has Reese Pick potential because it is like cultural commentary. Mm-hmm. There will be a lot to grab onto. Book clubs full of people who like to think of themselves as culturally aware want to read and talk about this kind of thing. Yeah, I hope to God there's an adaptation in the works. Yeah, number one with a bullet.
1: And um, I'm looking at Edelweiss here, and you don't see this very often, but this is a Morrow title. I'm sorry if I don't say, hadn't said that before, William Morrow. Um, paid Influencer Promotion. I know that's a thing that's happened, mm. uh, and I don't. I know it happens more in the sort of uh, commercial fiction vein. That seems to be where those things tend to work. I haven't seen one, and this is on the line, right? Is this commercial? Is this upmarket? Is this literary? I think it is a chance to be all of them, probably upmarket mm-hmm. if you had to guess, but... Yeah, if I had to guess. It, it, it could. She's a really smart – I mean, she's getting a PhD in East English languages at Cambridge. Like, she's got all the the raw power that she needs to do the art and the commerce and the page turnery mm-hmm. and the incision and representation and thinking. And it it could hit everything. It has a chance. And rarely it really does could. a book come along to hit everything. So, mm-hmm. um I, I I'm glad it's number nine. It would only be better if it was number ten because I, I don't think my next pick has much of a chance, unfortunately, though is you know, we'll talk about it for a minute. Um any guesses? Anything you we've done a little no. bit of summer looking, but did you have anything that you knew was coming out in May that you haven't heard of? I'm just now I kidding. have
2: tried to wipe my memory okay. of books you're very, that are coming you're very out in May coming into to <laughs> to this recording.
1: Yeah. Um, and I'm in the
2: middle of this seven hundred page novel where I'm not right. thinking about. The next thing yet so yeah. no, your I may reading
1: your may reading will be just the middle third of covenant of water Basically. that's what you're gonna get through uh <laughs> yeah. in may um the last pick that you know i don't know where it was on my list but i did include seeing her down by um av pachoda which i'm really looking forward to the, the the comps again comps which is less reliable blurbs or comps or is this a you know don't trust anybody on this situation um, oh, she wrote.
2: I think it's Don't Trust Anybody.
1: Don't Trust Anybody. She wrote um, an award-winning book called These Women, which I really liked. The comp here is No Country for Old Men meets Killing Eve. I mean, come on. That's well, a good comp.
2: That's a hell of a comp.
1: A feminist Western thriller. Okay. And she can write. She can write. She can write. She can write. Um, finalist for the Los Angeles Times Book Prize, Edgar Awards. This is elevated thriller. I don't think it's – this is one of those things – I think it's going to be in the vein of Lone Women, which I think, I don't think I said, is my favorite novel that I've read so far this year. The reviews have been good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was talking about Sister Brothers by Patrick DeWitt in a different context. I was like, oh, yeah, I like modern Westerns with a modern sensibility, and I'm looking forward to this. This is coming out May 23rd from MCD, MCD being the weirdo imprint of FSG. Maybe (laughs) Maybe I would pick MCD, Rebecca. I would throw that. That's a different. That's a different segment. We need to do that segment. Um,
2: it's a different kind of flavor for your whole yeah. reading life, but it's not a bad. I think not the thing bad about one.
1: Riverhead. It's not as weird as MCD, and mm-hmm. maybe you and I like a. We would prefer an interesting. A little, we mess. do like
2: a little weird.
1: So maybe it's MCD, and that's a good sign for me here, real quick. But that's "Sing Her Down" um, by Ivy Pachoda, coming up May twenty third. Feminist literary thriller that I'm sorry to say is going to get mowed down by the Gatling <laughs> gun that is yellow face. <laughs> yeah.
2: I would though. I would give this edge over the Ferryman. man. It's just not going to beat out yellow face. Yeah. I'm really interested in this one as well. I've been seeing it start to crop up and I've not read Pachota. Oh before, but the picture yeah. Is
1: I compelling. think you're going to dig this. I think, you, I mean, I haven't read this, but if everything that I've read and I know about her writing, I think you're going to be into this good plane read for you. Um, mm-hmm. I would say at this point. Uh, that comes out May 23rd. Again, 288 pages. You love to see it.
2: Oh, you do. That is a solid plain read.
1: It's a really good one. That's You could get that through that in a nice cross country or, you know, Texas mm-hmm. to, to New England, something there. That brings us to the end. The winner this month. And let me be clear as soon as I knew what month this book was coming out, <laughs> that Yellowface would I win this. Um, I think on the whole, a more interesting lineup than April, but that's how May goes. That's not a surprise, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, stem to stern, a very strong lineup. I'm excited about each one of the books I put on here. Um,
2: Me too. I think there there's interesting stuff about all of them. I will endeavor to read most of them. We'll see next month. I think we're, we're going to be right about Yellowface, but it'll be interesting to see where we shake out in our rightness or wrongness about how the rest of them
1: yeah. fall. And then June is also a banger. Um, Before we tail off a little bit in July and August. June
2: 6th is like the day this year. Yeah.
1: And then September, I think my long list for September is going to be 97 titles. We have to go through 97 titles in September to uh, get the full (laughs) account. The podcast just lasts
2: the entire month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're
1: going to live stream um, for a 72 hour period to get through all those. So that's how we're going to handle that. (laughs) Rebecca, thank you. A delight. Up next. This is an idea I've been thinking about for a long time. I used to do a long show called Reading Lives, where I talked to someone about their whole lives in books. And that was really great, but it was really long. And ever since I stopped doing that show, I was like, what about just little pieces? We all have a story, we all have stories. And I think five or minutes or so is kind of the right length. So I was feeling around for book right people to join me, try it out. And Erica, as a Eddie, one of our editors here, is just a great storyteller, has all kinds of wonderful stories. So I asked her if she would join me, and I said, just tell me a story. And this is the story she told.
3: I have many stories. Reading is kind of individual for me, but I did remember when I was like three or four in Atlanta, where I was actually born, and my parents had me there until I was like three or four, like I said. And so my father used to read the Bible to me in the attic, while we ate pistachios. And my mother was kind of like salty about it because for whatever, well, I wouldn't say for whatever reason, I really liked that time I spent with my dad. Uh, I don't know if it was the reading part. I just like, really liked my dad. I was like little daddy's girl or whatever. And my mother was like a little salty about it. She didn't put in the time though. Like she wasn't reading Bibles to me. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't giving me pistachios. Like you know, I, I wasn't cheap as a three-year-old. You know what I mean? So, so we, we would go up there and I remember one, I actually have this memory of one time my mother was laying on the couch watching TV downstairs, like on the main floor or whatever. And she was like, where are you about to go? And I was like, I like pointed up and she was like, she like rolled her eyes and I was like, deal with it. And the thing is, my dad is funny, but like not on purpose He's a, he's from Nigeria and he has a very thick Nigerian accent. And I want to say he was reading Kitty Bibles to me, but he could have been reading like the full King's James, you know what I mean? Mm, Like not ironically, and just thought that was like a thing to do. So one day I remember my dad was gone to work, which was, he often was, he worked a lot. And my mother was at home and I asked her to read to me. And she was like, no, she didn't want to do it outright, or we. She was about to do something else. Either way, I got rejected, and I felt some type of way. So I waited until she went into the shower, and when she was preoccupied with that, I went outside into the next to our next door neighbors. I knocked on the door. Remember, I have like you know, picture me. I'm like two feet tall. I got a little pocketbook with a dollar in it, and I knocked on the door. And the lady, she said she looked out the peephole and didn't see anyone. Cause again, I'm like three inches tall. And so she went back to whatever she was doing and I knocked again and she repeated it. The third time I knocked, she was like, all right. She opened the door and she didn't see anyone at first, but then she like looked down and she saw me and I was there and I had a request for her, but I'm going to rewind a little bit because this needs a little context. So my mom When we would drive on like the highway or whatever, there was this like random little like brick building on the side of the road on the highway. And my mother, for whatever reason, she told me, I think this is a little when I was doing something she didn't want me to do. Mm. She was like, I'm going to take you back to the little girl place. That's where little girls come from. So if you keep doing this thing, I'm going to take you back. And I'll, you know, like childhood trauma, you know, just, you know, real quick. Yeah, you know, I just was if like, you
1: get out of line, you'll be disappeared. That's just something that could happen, just, just to keep you. Informed I'll be about disappeared.
3: What's possibly, yeah, right. Yeah. And p- possibly a lot. She didn't tell me what they did to little girls there, but it just sounded bad. I was like, yo, I don't want to go to that little brick building. Like, no, I need her to know. keep me. That's the context. Now we're gotcha. we're going back to when I was at the neighbor lady's house. So remember my mom was in the shower. She didn't do what I wanted her to do. And the lady, our next door neighbor, she answered the door. She was like, Erica, is everything okay? Like, you know, what's going on? And I took my dollar out my pocketbook and I was like, I offered it to her. And I was like, I want to buy a new mommy. Because my logic was that if there's a place where little girls come from, then there must be a place where mommies come from. And I got a dollar and those buy me candies. And I could probably get a mommy with that. My dad. What He loves to still tell this story. It tickles him so much. So <laughs> that's when I tried to get a new mommy. I don't know if it was like the new mommy part or the fact that I thought not only could I get a mommy for a dollar, but I could get a better one for it. Right.
1: You want a parent that'll let you go upstairs and eat pistachios and read the Bible. You want snacks and books?
3: Okay. Period.
1: <laughs> that's our show for today. Thanks so much to Rebecca Shinsky for joining me for May. Thanks to Erica Ezefetti for joining me to tell me a story. I really like that episode. I want to do more you think we should do more, I want feedback. First edition at bookriot.com. You can find the link in the show notes to the books we talked about today. You can also find links to First Edition on Twitter, Instagram, if you're into that sort of thing. Also, the First Edition sub I'm doing some extra content and sending it out from time to time. Also, if you've got time, and I really appreciate it, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help people find the show. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, read something great.